Hello, this is Grant Bartley, and you're listening to the Philosophy Now radio show. And uh, today we're going to be talking about feminist film theory with Terry Murray, who's the author of uh, Feminist Film Theory, A Teacher's Guide, and she's also teaches film studies at the Hampstead College of Fine Art. And Anya Steinbauer, who is the president of Philosophy for All, a London philosophy meetup group, which we'll also be talking a bit about later just for, for those who are interested. And she's also the co-founder of the London School of Philosophy, um, which has recently opened, which we'll also mention a bit later. But first, let's um, get into feminist film theory. OK, um, first of all, I want to ask some general questions about feminism and film theory, if that's OK, uh, for you know people who really don't know very much about it at all, like myself. First of all, what is, what is feminism? Is it more than progressing the cause of women in a male-dominated world? Who would like to go first? Terry, Terry. Well, I think if you look it up in the dictionary, as I meant to do to prepare for today, I wanted to bring in the, defini- the dictionary definition. Um, I think it's simply a doctrine of opposition to male sexism. Uh-huh. Um, but what I typically ask my students is, when you hear the word feminism, what do you think about? What kind of connotations does the word carry? Uh, well, we, yeah, I, I guess for a lot of people it's uh, women in dungarees and, and Dr. Martin's boots, but I'm sure it's, that's not what it means. What does it mean to you, Anya? Well, I mean, I would actually give it a very wide meaning. I would, um, you know, not just say that it's a struggle of, of women, you know, in opposition to, to patriarchy, but I, I really think it's in the widest sense an interest in, in issues that concern women, in uh-huh. the situation of women, in the lives of women. So I would say anyone who has an interest in this particular perspective, you know, how, does, what, how do things affect women? You know, what are women's lives like? Basically, I would say anyone who's interested in that is, is a feminist in the widest sense. Well, I mean, that, the first op- opposition that would bring up to me is why not masculinism? But I don't, don't want to go down that route. What I want to ask is why, why is feminism still needed in the enlightened West of the 21st century? How much remains to be achieved for fem- feminists until female equality is gained with men? Well, it's not just a matter of equality, it really is an interest in the specific situation of women because, you know, women's lives very often are different from men's lives and I think that is interesting and it needs to be made an issue. Why should we talk about it instead of men? Well, because we've been talking about men for hundreds and hundreds of years. Let's Um, talk about women. So, I mean, but I got the impression that it was about advancing the cause of women rather than just talking about women. It it can be about that, but it's also about exploring, especially as feminist philosophers, that's what we try to do. We try Uh to explore the feminist perspective, try to explore what does it mean to be a woman. What is a woman? Uh, Can I just go back for a second to this definition of feminism? Um, Most of my students, and probably most people listening to the show, when they hear feminism, they think part of the definition is, well, feminists are women. And that's not necessarily true at all. No. A lot of very good feminists have been men, and a lot of sexists have been women. So you don't have to be female to be feminist, (laughs) and you don't have to be male to be sexist. It it strikes me that you're using two... I mean, you've got two different ideas of what feminism is. To you, Anya, it seems to be that it's just an interest in women's lives or from a women's... how things appear from women's perspectives, whereas... Uh, for Terry, it seems to be more about overcoming prejudice against women. Yeah, well, to me that would be very much part of it yeah. as well. But yeah. but I would just say it's 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 even it's it's even more than that. Um, sorry, Terry. Yeah, no, I agree. It's overcoming uh, sexism, uh-huh. which exists still in our culture, even though we might have formal legal equality before the law, and we might have equal pay. I'm not sure about that. Actually, we don't no. have equal representation well, in government yet. N- no, I think there's still but a lot of problems. Where we still lag behind, I think, is definitely in the visual media, in the representation of women. Right. And that's very clear when I go to my gym, and I'm looking at six screens, and usually four or five of them are with male protagonists, whatever the program is, doing most of the talking, most of the action. Okay. And when women are represented, it's in very trivial Okay, we'll talk more specifically about the representation of uh, females uh, later, but I just want to get a bit of the groundwork done now. Is feminism the same as feminist theory? 
No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that What's that's the, the case. Then? Well, I mean, there's, there's also feminist activism, which can be based on feminist theory. Right. But uh, you know, a lot of um, activist work has to be done. Since you asked, you know, why do we still need feminism in this enlightened uh, uh, age of ours? Well, you know, there still still are a lot of problems, such as uh, even in this country. You know, domestic violence is a huge right. problem. You know, so uh, on average, two women a week are killed by a male partner or former partner in this country. So that's uh, you know, that's that's quite a lot. And uh, of course, international. There are a lot of problems economically. You know, women perform 66% of the world's work and they produce 50% of the world's food, but they own a, earn only 10%. And, uh, you know, they own only 1% of, of the property. So really the real pro problem with feminism <coughs> is a global one rather than a national one. On all levels. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay, what, oh, moving on to film theory. Uh, what is film theory? I mean, it sounds obvious, but what does film theory tell us about film? Oh, gosh, well, many <laughs> things. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, within film theory you might be looking at various critical approaches. One of them is representation, yeah. not only of gender, but of race. Mm -hmm. You might be looking at uh, national cinema, how it represents class or culture. So you're studying the, mes the messages that are implicit in the film or explicit even That's sometimes. That's part of film studies, film yeah. theory, sure. Anything, I mean, is there anything other than that? Oh, well, it's looking at the narrative conventions in film. Uh -huh. um, you know, you can use theoretical models like that of Levi Strauss, looking at binary oppositions in film, or mm -hmm. Todorov's model, which is linear. Uh -huh. um, you know, there's all kinds of film theory. It's so there's lots of different ways of looking at film. Sure. Yes, yes, there, there, there are. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, f from that, what is feminist film theory? How, how does it differ from film theory per se? I mean, what is specifically feminist about it? Well, I suppose okay. it's applying all these 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 these, these various uh, um, you know techniques and uh, uh, and ideas to the feminist perspective. So, uh -huh. so, I think so it's, give me an example how you um, would do that. Just briefly, as, as that. Well, I, I think an important example, which I think you're, you're perhaps going to discuss later on, is, is the idea of, of the male gaze. So, uh -huh. you know, what what kind of perspectives actually implicit in uh, in a lot of the films that that we're we're seeing, and how does it affect women? How does it portray women? Sure. But also. Consequentially, how does it affect women's lives? Um, how does it affect the viewer's um, idea of what women are because what they see as normal on the screen? Basically. Indeed, yeah. yes. I um, mean, in, in film studies, sometimes they talk about gendered film studies so that yeah. we're aware that we're not just talking about how females are represented, we're also talking about stereotypes in how males are mm -hmm, represented yeah. as well. Um, but... Um, Cinematic representations have been mediated historically, predominantly through the eyes and desires of men. Yeah. And so the feminist interrogation of this is looking at film as a very powerful medium through which relationships of dominance have been maintained, subverted, and renegotiated. Okay. Um, why is it necessary? Why is it necessary to have a particularly feminist film theory? <laughs> well... It's not necessary, but if you care about women and how they're affected by visual media, uh -huh. uh, and if you care about men and the stereotypes, I mean, to think that it's not important is to think that visual media have no impact on life whatsoever. Okay. So it's about clarifying uh, what people are letting into their minds as much as anything else, would you say? Uh, yes, and you know, controlling our public perception of women. Okay. Um, just so a couple more general questions. Uh, how does feminist film theory differ from feminist theory for the other arts, such as feminist literary theory or feminist aesthetics? And are there like different schools of theory, feminist film theory in particular? Well, I mean, there, there are all kinds of uh, theories about uh, feminist uh, aesthetics, you know, some, some uh, philosophical uh, theories, a lot of them are philosophical theories, and, well, of course, it depends on, on uh, the medium. You know, there, there are a lot of questions, say, classically about uh, why there haven't been uh, many great women artists, uh -huh. you know, so, so questions of, of that kind, questions that don't particularly affect uh, the medium of film, which is rather uh -huh. a new medium. Um, so um, depending on, on the medium, there will be particular questions that, uh, that are important important and uh, that's that so what would be particularly important for film then what sort of question for feminist film theory would be particularly important 
Well, again, how does, you know, as, as Terry said, how, how does uh, you know, the film impact on our lives in terms of shaping our perceptions, uh, you know, educating uh, our views of what the world is actually like, what women are actually like? Mm -hmm. And uh, philosophically speaking, this is interesting because, you know, we might actually learn from this what it means to be a woman, and we might actually have to very critically examine whether we're, we're getting particular myths presented here as absolute truths and mm -hmm. uh, to, what, to what degree this is uh, a problem in terms of uh, consequences for real life, how women are being treated and, uh, uh -huh. and, and how girls are brought up as well. Um, I'm, well, I'm a bit... Uh, um, can I yeah, just sure. go back to your... I want to get back to the kind of basis of your question uh -huh. here. Um, all these public art forms, whether it's art, literature, television, film, um, they're not windows onto reality. They're constructions, representations uh -huh. of reality. And I think what feminist theory has in common in looking at all of those various art forms, is the ways in which men, as the dominant authors of those various forms, uh, have perceived women, since it's through the male uh, desire and through the male perspective that uh, images of women have been mediated. So that's what they all have in common. Uh -huh. And you know, if you go back to the second wave of feminism, one of the emphases was on the public-private division of labor, so men were seen to have... So uh, when did the second wave of feminism, when was that? Well, really um, from the 60s onward. Uh -huh. And um, I think one of the things they emphasized was that this sexual division of labor, whereby men dominate public life and women are kind of relegated to the domestic sphere or the home. Um, well, you know, art, literature, these are all public forms of uh -huh. expression. And as such, they have traditionally and historically been dominated uh, by men and mm -hmm. the conventions that they employ have been created largely by men. But okay. I think quite, quite importantly, since Terry is saying, you know, this shapes uh, the way that, that uh, men look at women, but of course, importantly, it informs also how women look at women yeah, and what, yeah. what women Absolutely. believe is expected of them, what they ought to be, be what, what they should be aspiring to. And very importantly, you know, young girls think, think about, well, what kind of, uh, kinds of future lives are possible for them, and this is what they see. Sure. Um, so, briefly, uh, what would you want, well, if you could both take stabs at answering this. What would you want everybody listening to this show to understand about the movies they watch in relation to feminist concerns? If, you know, your, your, brief, your brief one conclusion or your main conclusion about what you'd want them to understand in feminist terms. I think importantly I would say that, uh, that films matter in terms of uh, shaping reality, that they don't represent reality as, as, as Terry said, you know, but of course their particular perspectives on reality myths perhaps as one might say as a lot of feminists would say, but that they have an impact on how people live and think and I think therefore it needs to be taken very seriously. That's what I would really like to, to people to get across to understand. Okay, and Terry, what would you say is the main um, point that you'd want to, people to that's a really hard about feminist film? That's a hard <laughs> question to yeah. put into one point. However, I think probably one of the main points is that people understand that representations of women are just that. They're artificial constructions, mm -hmm. and they've been made by men. And women can imitate those representations, but women have had very little role in constructing them. Uh -huh. Okay. Thanks. Um, we're going to talk more specifically about the film, the way films are structured after this song, which is video, I believe.
the name of the game. A misconception, a mass deception, something's got changed. Don't be offended, this is all my opinion, ain't nothing that I'm saying, Lord. This is a true confession of a life learned lesson I was sent here to share with y'all. So get in where you fit and go on the shine. Clear your mind, now's the time. Put your soul on the shelf, go on and love yourself, cause everything's gonna be video by uh, India Irie or something like that. But I'm Grant Bartley <laughs> from Philosophy Now magazine and you're listening to the Philosophy Now radio show. Uh, I'm here with Anya Steinbauer, Philosophy for All, and Terry Murray, author of Feminist Film Theory, and we're discussing Feminist Film Theory. We've talked a little bit about what it generally means, and now uh, I want to focus for a little while on its specific theories or ideas. So first, Terry, what do you mean when you refer in your book to the Hollywood film business as producing a hegemonic system of meaning, or hegemonic, whatever you want to say. Okay, well, it's a fairly unified system of meaning. Now, this is partly, we'll talk later about the Hayes Code and so yeah. on. Um, but um, just to give an example, you know, we might not necessarily agree with the pro-American or even xenophobic subtext of many Hollywood action films, uh-huh. but... We're all kind of seduced into watching them. We sort of feel that we're better off watching them. And those are the ones that are there for our consumption, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Those are the ones that are hyped you know, by the big distribution Yeah, uh, they may studio. not be so great, but that's all we got, so we're going to enjoy it. Right? right. It means just basically domination uh, or control by one social political group or ideological system over its rivals, so over others. The Hollywood studio heads, they've got basically domination of how we're to look at things through their influence on Hollywood. Yes, yeah? global domination. And, uh, but what, what does it mean, a system of meaning? Well, um, this is the conventions through which we perceive the world. Um, it also it, it not only involves visual conventions, but narrative conventions, mm-hmm. so values, messages that are ideological and unchanging. Yeah, I was going to say values, actually. So do you, do you feel that particular values that sort of keep keep coming up and, you know, that, that well, you wish to absolutely. critique? <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, and like, they are. Like what sort of, I mean, yeah, some values are, are good values, clearly, well, like, uh, you know, we should all be nice to each other, whatever. But what values would you particularly, as you say, critique that are in the Hollywood system as they produce films normally? I mean, obviously, there are with exceptions. Um... Yeah, I mean, with respect to to to, to women's lives, of of course, you know how, how women uh, are, are often portrayed. You know what, what no, is expected I mean, of women. Can you be a bit more specific? About I can be more specific. Example, Absolutely, I was going to I was going to get that. So uh-huh. I mean, women generally, you know, are supposed to be um, attractive. Uh-huh. I mean, even where where women are, you know, now portrayed as as assertive, but they also have to be attractive. Uh-huh. You hardly see any unattractive uh, attractive women, and they can't be single normally. And and where you find well, sort of got to have a partner or absolutely, or, 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 or aspiring to, uh-huh. um, and where you find a not so attractive uh, single women. They, they they don't do very well. For instance, in the film Misery, uh-huh. uh, which uh, you know I think is done after Stephen King, 
uh, story. Um, the, the woman is, is a sort of um, middle-aged, uh, not very attractive, uh, overweight, bitter, single female. And, uh, you know, of course, she turns out to be crazy. Of course, yes. Because uh, all the attractive women right? are either <laughs> total, totally evil or totally good, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, basically, it's... I, isn't it? It's just being theatrical, yeah, isn't it? Serious. What is wrong with it? Well, be- because um, women are always defined in relation to men. Right. So, so as male partners, as okay. as potential or a- actual mothers, you know, as as you know, uh, sexual uh, sex objects, and uh, there isn't really much, much more than that. Let me ask you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say that an alien from another planet who had no particular sexual attraction to humans came to this planet and watched the box office top ten films from, I don't know, last month or any month in the past 50 years. Having watched those films and therefore studied human social interaction and humanity as a species, Mm -hmm. which sex do you suppose they would address to solve problems such as how to get their spaceship back to Mars? Well, you know, yeah, I see what you mean. It's it's going to be the male because the male is always the protagonist, isn't it? And the well, always, often, the protagonist and the female is is somebody a, sort of an add-on for the sake of uh, bringing in the female viewers, I suppose. Uh, and that's is that, I suppose, your basic complaint about the Hollywood system of meaning that it it misrepresents females in this very biased way. Well, if you look across most major genres, whether it's horror, gangster, western, uh-huh. action adventure, even uh, you know the so-called female genres, uh, well, there are some genres that are relegated as you know chick flicks genre where there are female protagonists. Um, but again, their main goal in life is to get a guy, and that uh-huh. will then validate their existence. Uh-huh. Um, but in those other genres. You can look at the roles that men play and look at the roles that females play. And imagine instead of an alien now, we've got a young female mind who's watching this. And it's not just, you know, about male and female. It's also about representations of ethnicity and race. This is a very white male medium, and it has been, because it's they're the ones who've been in control of producing these representations. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's a conscious, intentional thing. It's simply that they're making films that please them and are flattering to them. Yes, Let, let's think about what's so, so wonderful about film, because there are a lot of things that film can do that, say, philosophy can't do. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to admit like this. Communicate I, uh, to the masses, philosophy. For no, instance. not just communicate. It, it does more than that. F- philosophy can communicate, but film really fires the imagination. Uh-huh. And if you want to show someone what their lives can be like, then uh-huh. instead of describing and theorizing, uh-huh. what you do is you show them a film, you show them an image, maybe a play in the theater, a piece of literature. That really helps them imagine what their future lives can be like. So why not use this wonderful medium to show the range of possibilities that are actually there? You know, the range of possibilities of what your life can be like. But instead of doing that, most films will just give you, give you a very narrow picture of what is legitimate in terms of the life that you ought to be pursuing. That's true, of course, for men as well as for uh-huh. women. Yeah. You know, so gender roles affect not just women, but here we're interested in women. And as far as women are concerned... There are not a lot, a lot of possibilities. You've got to be. You've uh-huh. got to find your man. You've uh, perhaps you can do a few other things. You can pursue a few interests if you like. But really, conventionally, you should still be an add-on to a man. So um, basically, you'd like more. You'd like the film industry to show a more wider range of options for women. Is that would that be a absolutely? Fair? Okay. Yes, yes, and, and this is yes, and, um, and this is what feminism is about. Right. You know, f- feminism is not one thing, but feminism is 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 not one but many. You uh-huh. know, so there are many feminist theories, many feminist outlooks, and ultimately, as far as there is an agenda, I think it's about giving women a choice. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm for increased choice. Yeah, why not? Um, I just I just <laughs> hung on to this because I thought I know I'm going to need this one right, day. Okay, because I saw a clip in her hand, <laughs> this listeners. is a, a newspaper clip that I just came across in the Metro newspaper, Uh which everyone else is forced upon them if they go on the tube. Um, The headline is, Spidey's Fighting for uh, Diversity. And it's just about this new comic book hero, new Spider-Man, who is uh, black Latino. Oh, oh, they replaced the old (laughs) Spider-Man. 
And it, I like what it says here. It says, the real world in all its diversity is what this black Spider-Man is reflecting. Uh-huh. And the same holds true for, you know, films that show women in positions other than, you know, the helper, the servant, the victim, the girlfriend. If you show women as prota- protagonists and real people, uh-huh. hopefully you're reflecting the real world in all its diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh- well, look, there's some things I could say in criticism of that, but I'll save them till later. Um, but moving on from what we've just been saying, what's the, what is the male gaze, as it's referred to uh, by feminist theories, uh, in terms of movie-making, and how does it differ from the female gaze in movies? Uh, and what do you mean when you say that in most films the female is mainly an object for a male's gaze? Okay, a lot of questions there. Mm-hmm. I'll try to just first introduce the male gaze. This uh-huh. comes from Laura Mulvey's famous okay. essay, uh-huh. Visual Pleasure in Narrative Cinema from 1975. Okay. Um, so she's the one who kind of coined the term. And she talks about a lot of things. Part of her theory is drawn from Freud and Lacan. Um, and she says, the female figure to the male is kind of represents a threat. Why? Because she represents castration. And that's and so, very Freudian, that's very yes, particular. Yes, and this, I, to be honest, I am pretty wary of accepting any kind of psychological speculation about men or other people in general. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I go along with this entirely. But I think what's more interesting in her theory is um, not how she describes the male unconscious looking for avenues yeah, of escape yeah, so yeah. much, but she looks at cinema and the three looks of cinema and how each of them is constructed as male. Mm-hmm. And those three looks are the look of the look between characters. Um, so the characters who are looking at other characters are usually male, and we're given them for identification. And then the crew filming, which is usually male directors, male cameramen, and so on. And then the audience is assumed to be male, which is why female bodies are displayed in a certain way as spectacle, as objects. Who assumes of them to be male? The makers of the uh, movies? Yes, which are men. So they're uh-huh. making a film that they themselves would want to watch. Is presumably. it because is they would want to watch it, or is it because they figure that's if they make it for males, that's the way they're going to be the most commercial? Well, that's that's the again philosophically that that is the, the important point that that really humanity has been identified with with the male, the male yeah. perspective, you know, whatever you know, the male ideal, and uh, I think even quite unreflectedly, you know, automatically filmmakers would would make films for, for men because well, this is what what humanity is. Yes, I mean, having male protagonists in all these art forms, whether it's literature, art, or film. Uh, tells the consumers of those various art forms that mass males are the generic human being and females are identified mm. in opposition to that. Yes. But there's that, that would be the typical male perspective. How would a female gaze on movies differ from a male gaze? I mean, <laughs> if you were a di- female director, for instance, <laughs> rather than a female... Uh, how would we ever audience. know? <laughs> um, but there are. I mean, you give examples of Jane Campion mm. and uh, yeah. Kate Bigelow and other people in your book, which, yes. and then you say what's partic- particularly female about the way they look at what they're directing. So, I mean, if you could tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think what they're doing is investigating men for once uh-huh. uh, instead of men always investigating women. Right, okay. That's a reversal already. If you look at Jane Campion's film... The piano. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole story is told through the perspective of Ada, um, this 19th century woman who is um, kind of given in marriage to uh, Stuart, who lives in New Zealand. And she's the whole opposition, uh, the binary oppositions of the film, pose Stuart and his values against Baines and his values. And Baines comes out, you know, the more attractive character, but to Ada. It's her who's judging the two yeah. men. And so, you know, we see their bodies on display uh-huh. through her point of view. We see, for example, Stuart's body cropped and in soft light, the way you would stereotypically see the female body cropped. We see, for example, um, Baines's nudity in the sex scenes before we see Ada's nudity. We see her as a sexual agent, not just as a passive, uh, <laughs> you know, recipient of male lust. All those things, I think, uh, are suggestive of a way of seeing men uh-huh. through a female perspective. So it's, bas- it's basically about 
um, seeing things from a female perspective rather than a male perspective. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anya, what, when fem- feminists say they want women to be portrayed authentically in film or other media, what do they mean? Well, I'm not quite clear about what they mean. You uh-huh. know, I think what, what, what they mean is that, that there, there should be a certain honesty about this. Right. But, I mean, there certainly isn't one description that would, would fit, one particular portrayal that would fit. But again, you know, since, since you know, feminist perspectives are, are many, uh-huh. you know, there isn't one authenticity that would, would give a true perspective or no, a true what, portrayal. I mean, what is generally meant by authenticity? I mean, as you, my problem is if... Uh, you represent women in one way, then there's always going to be an exception to that. And, you know, uh, you can't yes, represent all, all right. women in one film, for no, instance. No, so no, what does it mean but, to but represent... But you shouldn't aspire to that. Uh, no, I think, I think that's, that's all right. I think there should be an honesty and you should ask women. <laughs> you know, you should, yeah. as, as uh, Terry has just, just explained, you know, you should put, portray things from a particular female perspective, but it can always just be a particular perspective. I mean, that's and the thing about film, right? I mean, you, you know, film doesn't deal with universals, but with particulars, yeah. particular situations. And, and so it, 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 it becomes part of a discourse, I think we and that's what's important. want men to be uh, represented more authentically. Sure. In other words, yeah. less of a I'm gap between the real men that we know and yeah. these kind of impossibly omnipotent, perfect, buff, yes. hyperbolic physique men that we see. You know, we want men to kind of be something we recognize in life. And I think men do too. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot of pressure on I men to have to mean, aspire yeah. to this. I mean, God, you guys must be going yes. down to the gym every day if you watch Hollywood films. Good Lord. Yes, but that, that's true. <laughs> but on the other hand, I think for, mm. for, for men, it's a sort of more acceptable in film to, to, you know, to, to have flaws, you know, to not you know, look perfect or to, to, you know, to have character flaws. Or so. It's much more acceptable than for women. I mean, you, you cannot, you just cannot really have, you know, middle-aged uh, women who don't have perfect bodies in, in Hollywood films. I mean, yeah. You yeah. just don't see it, do you? Yes. yes. Well, I, I was going to say, isn't it equally true that um, that men are uh, a stereotype in Hollywood films? Of course. They uh, are, but yeah. I would say in much more empowering ways. Uh-huh. Everywhere men look in the world, they see affirmations of their potential to do things, to achieve things, mm-hmm. to um, exert their power over other people and you know, be effective in the world. What women see is simply, you better look good. Uh, and that's your main source of self-esteem. But I, I, I'm, I'm interested that even in female-oriented genres like rom-coms or female buddy movies, you still get... I mean, I guess you still get a misrepresentation of females. Uh, why would that be if women would prefer authentically represented well, people? Well, first, <laughs> because not all women are feminists, first no. of all, uh-huh. um, just like not all males are sexist. Um, but also, if they want to work in this industry, they better toe the line. They better yeah. play by but the no, rules. I mean, my, I guess my, my, my question really is, why isn't it the case that the audience demand more authentic representations in genres that are specific to them? Because it's just everywhere. You know, the, this kind of representation of women and what women should be and what women's lives should be, it's just everywhere. It's just ubiquitous. And it's very, very easy to be uncritical. I don't mean that we're subjected to this and we so, have to be uncritical, uh-huh. but it's very easy to go along with it. It's also quite pleasant. And a lot of those films, those rom-coms that you're talking about, you know, they're nice films. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, we want to watch this, we want, we want to be entertained. But at the same time, and we should be aware of this, there's nothing wrong with watching them, uh-huh. but we should be aware that there is a particular message that is, that is yeah, being brought across. So. And sometimes it's very easy just to forget it and on. simply to be entertained, but we have to be critical at the same time. Yeah. Yes, I completely, and that's I completely agree with Anya. I mean, if I thought that women were already capable of this kind of criticism, I wouldn't be writing yeah. this book, so and I wouldn't teach film studies. Consciousness <laughs> raising. In other words, women don't really know that there's alternatives available or other ways of looking at things and other than what Hollywood is telling them. No, they also don't even, know that when so they consume that kind of media, uh-huh. they contribute to its production. And I think that's the, there's a wider feminist issue at, at stake here. This is why a lot of people do think and a lot of women think that feminism is redundant, mm-hmm. simply because we're, we're always told, well, but everything's fine, you know, look, you know, you find, find women, women in, in high-paying jobs, you know, everybody's equal, everything's fine, everything has been achieved, but that's not just not the Only case. Only if you toe the line, it's okay, yeah? Well, yeah. Um, what, why is a stock figure such as a femme fatale a male construct... And what would a feminist femme fatale look like? Well, first, if you look at the films of the mid to late 40s, early uh-huh. 50s, which is the film noir period, those directors who are making those films are males. Right. 
Uh, furthermore, those women, it has been theorized anyway, that they represent a new kind of anxiety that had crept into American society following the war because men came home and they found women being both sexually and economically independent uh -huh. because they'd been out of the home working. They might have had affairs while men were at war. That was threatening. Mm -hmm. And so she's a figure that represents those anxieties. So, so it's again, it's a representation of male anxieties. Okay, what would a feminist femme fatale look like? <laughs> well, I think very much like Catherine Trammell in Basic Instinct. Okay. Or perhaps She's like Catherine Bridget Trammell Gregory being in The Last Seduction. Being the Stone character, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, well, maybe you want to mention why Basic Instinct is a feminist film, in your opinion. Well, maybe just to back up a little bit and say, you know, the femme fatale in the classic film noir, uh, she would be an object of sexual attraction to the main male protagonist, the detective hero. Uh, but she would also be one that seduces him into bad deeds and is dangerous to him. Mm -hmm. And so his job was to investigate a woman and investigate a crime. And if the woman led him into bad deeds, first of all, his own guilt would be transposed onto her. And secondly, he would punish her in the narrative. She would usually have to die mm -hmm. for it. Um, this was also going along with the compensating moral values of the Hayes Code, which was the you know censorship that was yeah. alive in Hollywood at the time. But uh, a neo-noir film reverses some of those conventions and is very ironic in its awareness of those codes and conventions and in playing with them and kind of making fun of them. And so Sharon Stone as a femme fatale, you know, again, we have a story, Basic Instinct, where there's a male protagonist played by Michael Doug Douglas, and he's investigating a crime, the murder of Johnny Boz, this rock star, by, we don't know who, but possibly a woman, and he's investigating Sharon Stone as a suspect. Um, normally she'd be punished within the narrative, mm -hmm. but in this narrative she isn't, and in fact it's implied that he is. Okay. So, so Todd, you, you think of, I mean, do you think of that film as a really feminist film? Because, you know, she's still objectified, isn't she? I mean, she's still exposed to the male gaze, wouldn't you say? Uh, she's actually, um, not exactly. First of all, she, her sexual agency is very important to the film. Yeah. She's not ashamed at all of her sexual agency. No, Every time they try to make her be ashamed of it and say, oh, you're cold, she just basically turns it back on them and shows that it's a double standard. You're so cold. You're yeah. the one who's a sexual agent and has no feelings. Then why can't I be? <laughs> um, yeah. you know, this is, I thought this was hilarious that lesbians and feminists protested this film as if it was some kind of assault on women because the religious right were also assaulting it as an assault on family <laughs> values and their conservative values, mm -hmm. which were sexist so, yeah. and homophobic. I thought it was hilarious. Um, okay. Um, finally, on this section, would you be happy, either of you or both of you, would you be happy if there were feminist films running alongside Hollywood formula films or is the high Hollywood ideological template more like an insult which you cannot suffer and so must eradicate? I mean, will you only be happy when the Hollywood formula has been rewritten? No, I mean, I think yeah. I think pluralism is, is where yeah. it's at. You know? Absolutely, we, we, you know, just as as many different viewpoints, perspectives, uh -huh. and and uh, you know, and, and kinds of, of uh, making films as as possible. I think that 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 would yeah. be ideal. So as long as there there is a voice that can be heard among Indeed. the other voices, oh, that's yes. uh, yeah. that's enough. Yeah. As a liberal, I don't want to ban anything that offends me. Okay, no. good. Um, Yeah, so we're going to have the next track now, which I think is two packs. Some for my God, Sally Liza, and a little girl named Corinne. Some say the black of the belly, the sweet of the juice. I say the dark of the flesh and the deep of the roots. I give a holler to my sister's own welfare. Tupac kids, if don't nobody else can. And uh, I know they like to beat you down a lot. When you come around the block, brothers clown a lot But please don't cry, dry your eyes, never let up Forgive, but don't forget, girl, keep your head up And when he tells you you ain't nothing, don't believe him And if you can't learn to love you, you should leave him Cause sister, you don't need And I ain't trying to gash you up, I just call him how I see You know what makes me unhappy? that When brothers make babies and leave a young mother to be a pastor And since we all came from a woman, got our name from a woman, and I came from a woman. I wonder 
while we take from my women While we rape our women, do we hate our women? I think it's time to kill for our women Time to heal our women, be real to our women And if we don't, we'll have a race of babies That will hate the ladies that make the babies And since a man can't make one He has no right to tell a woman when and where to create one So will the real men get up? I know you're fed up, ladies from Philosophy Now magazine and you're listening to the Philosophy Now radio show. I'm here with uh, Terry Murray, author of Feminist Film Theory, A Teacher's Guide, and Anya Steinbauer, president of Philosophy for All in London, and we're discussing feminist film theory. Now I want to hone on some possible criticisms which could be made of this theory. Uh, so first, to, going out to both of you, uh, if the media don't reflect gender differences which naturally exist or exist naturally then how and why could they come to portray the differences in the way that they do if the na if the differences there weren't natural differences between men and women well you know the question is whether there are you know what are the natural differences apart from the sort of obvious biological differences uh -huh. this is where we have to go back perhaps even to, to Simone de Beauvoir you know, okay. and the difference between sex and gender I mean right. there are some differences that are very obvious the biological ones and and uh, the rest what Simone de Beauvoir said, would say is is a matter of, of culture um, she says woman is not born but made so so what kinds of differences uh, are actually reflected in, in, in films well differences that are either seen as, as desirable or, you know, as that, that ought to be in place or differences that are in place because the culture is such that they are. But, uh, you know, th this may not be what it means to be a man, what it means to be, be a woman, and maybe there should be more exploration of, of what, what is a woman, what, what should a woman be, what can we be. OK, um, I think about that. OK, it's certainly true that the possibilities of what we all could be is not, you know, not known, but what I guess I'm basic saying is that in society it seems that the roles between men the differences between men and women and their relationships seem to have developed naturally and although you say along with Simone de Beauvoir that this is purely a development of culture I would say isn't culture rather a reflection of uh, or an extension of the biological differences 
No, I mean culture is is a, is a matter of of values and and history. I mean this is not it's not a matter of nature. It's not not an evolution. But uh, mm-hmm. you know there are all kinds of uh, power structures. You know uh, historical accidents and, yeah. and all kinds of forces that are at play. So that implies biological determinism, as if Indeed. we don't have any free will or any yeah. actual responsibility for the world that we construct. Well, I don't think I, I want would, to imply determinism. Just would, like a tendency to go down a, a certain pattern of things. I mean, in my book, I, this is picking up from what Anya is suggesting, that those differences are a product of culture uh-huh. uh, rather than a product of nature. Um, in my book, I ask, you know, what would the standard Hollywood film audience be if 99% of the films portrayed women in uh, roles whereby they were assertive, decisive protagonists who drive the action of the narrative, mm-hmm. who are, you know, central to the story, to the plot, um, who are dangerous and threatening to other characters. Would we live in a different world? Well, we don't know because we've never had that world yet. But a more generic answer to your question is I think narcissism and the kind of pleasures that go with it are universally human. Mm -hmm. It's just that men have had the chance to make films that appeal to their own narcissistic pleasures. And women haven't had the same chance. Right. Okay. I mean... Coming on from what you've just we've just been saying, what would you say to filmmakers who say that they're just reflecting the way the world is, and it's not in their interest to try and send a revolutionary message which most of their audience won't relate to? Are you asking them to be unrealistic in the way they represent the division of roles and character types between men and women? Perhaps they might say that you're being the unrealistic ones here. No, I think we're just asking them not to be simplistic. Uh-huh. You know, the world is, is not is not a simple place and, and, and reality is complex. And I think film should, should ultimately reflect that too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not in any position to tell people what kind of uh, films to make. I mean, they can continue making completely boring, simplistic films if they want to. I would rather <laughs> urge consumers to stop consuming this so that uh-huh. shit won't get made, if I All may right. use that okay. word on the program. Yeah, consumer. <laughs> oh, that's a bit of a dirty word. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, so supposing you had a feminist, supposing you were a feminist director and you had a $20 million budget for an action movie, uh, and we wanted, we wanted a nice female lead, what would a feminist lead in an action movie look like? And would it be commercial? Would it appeal to, like, the, the demographic? To which these films are made, which is, I think, fifteen-year-old males is the is the main demographic, isn't it? Or I, is there some alternative? I think she'd look a lot like the character Mace, played by Angela Bassett, in the film *Strange Days*, Catherine uh-huh. Bigelow's film. Right. Here's a tough woman who's driving the action, who's saving the male damsel in distress, uh-huh. who's fighting against other tough women and tough men, who is cool and calm under pressure, um, or perhaps a little bit like. Uh, Salander, this character in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh Of course, this had to come from Sweden because Hollywood, when they remake it, God forbid what that's going to look like. (laughs) Yes, but she could also look completely different. I mean, you know, a a, a proper female protagonist could also be completely different from from what you'd expect. She could could be, uh, you know, a 55-year-old unattractive woman in a wheelchair who nonetheless is Mm -hmm. is very very intelligent and, uh, you know, uh, is assertive in her own way. Okay, um... Both of you, how would how do you hope, or would you hope, Hollywood will change under the force of a feminist critique? Assuming that there is no change in basic <laughs> assumptions about women's uh, nature in Western culture. Well, I'm not going to hold my breath about Hollywood. No? No, me neither. I know it won't change, but I think the only thing that can make it change is educating the consumer to get the consumer not to pay to see rubbish that insults them. So That's why I'm a teacher, not a director. Okay, so as feminists, your hope isn't really with Hollywood. It's with, like, independent filmmakers with a wider view. But we know that they're not going to be as commercially successful as Hollywood. So what is really in- the incentive? Well, as, as Terry says, it's, it's education, it's uh-huh. expect, uh, expectations, you know, and especially, I think, educating uh, young, young girls, you know, uh-huh. want, wanting to see okay. other things, you know, want, wanting, want, wanting to see other representations of, of what they're like or their futures are like. Yes, I mean, unless they're exposed to it, they're not going to have a taste for it. If you've been raised yes. on McDonald's all your life, you're not going to start eating filet mignon, are you? Okay, I see. Um, well, finally, I just want to ask you, what both what contribution could feminist theory make to making great movies 
Both got things going on that they'd like to present to the viewers. So, uh, Terry, is there anything that you'd like to plug for the viewers here? Well, I just want everyone to buy my book. Okay, which is Feminist Film Studies. Okay. Teacher's Guide. How how can they get hold of that? Um, it's published by Auteur. It's available on Amazon. Okay. Um, also, I'd like to just say a little plug for my college where I teach, Hampstead College of Fine Arts and uh -huh. Humanities in London. It's a great place to learn for A levels students. So that's really all I have to plug. Okay, and uh, you've got various things going on. Yeah, I, so I do. I've, I've got a lot of philosophical projects going. Okay. But I'd like to say, read Terry's book. It's a great book. Maybe uh -huh. you should. Um, yes, well, what, what, what am I doing? Well, I'm uh, president of, of Philosophy for All, as, as uh, Grant has said, and that is uh, an organization that's, that's trying to bring philosophy to uh, to the general educated public in London. We've, we've got a lot of uh, philosophy events, lectures, philosophy debates, philosophical walks, Feminism Forum uh, mm -hmm. and uh, Philosophical Film Club and, and various other things going. So uh, look us up on our website, which is uh, pflondon.org. I'm also now the co-founder of a wonderful project. I'm, I'm very happy, very privileged to be involved in this, the London School of Philosophy. It's the first adult education college and entirely dedicated to, to the study, exploration uh, and, and teaching of uh, philosophy. We're based uh, and we, we work in association with Conway Hall uh, in Red Lion Square. And uh, again, please look us up on, on our, our website. There are a lot of uh, philosophy courses, something for, for everyone. The web website is londonschooloffilosophy.org. And that's not a degree course, is it? That's just generally anybody who's interested in philosophy. It, it is just entirely self-motivated. So, uh -huh. you, you, you know, you, we're not going to give you a certificate. We're not going to give you a degree. But we're going to philosophize with you. And I think okay. that's what matters. And you can study philosophy and film, can't you? You can, and also philosophy and the theatre. There you go, everything that you could possibly Absolutely. wish in philosophy terms. Uh, <laughs> so the websites, once again, are philosophyforall.com. pfalondon.org. pfalondon.org. And uh, londonschooloffilosophy.org. And yours, Terry, is? Hampstead College of Fine Arts. OK, and... Uh, That was the Philosophy Now radio show on feminist film theory. Next week, we're going to do, do God. We've got a Muslim, a Christian, and an atheist. They're going to do a uh, reasonable battle in the studio over whether God exists. And finally, I'd just like to mention that my books are The Meta Revolution and Love, Solitude, and Destruction, which you can get online. Okay, thank you. So we'll uh, hopefully you'll be listening next week to God.